Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Psych in the City. I'm the Psych, Heather Obel, and the city is Hollywood, California. And today I have an amazing guest with me, one of my favorite bands of all time. They're called Dig, and they're having a resurgence now. They're making a comeback, and they're from the 90s grunge scene. They were fucking amazing at the time, and um, they're fucking amazing again. And I can't wait to hear their new stuff. And as you guys out there know who've been following me, I'm a huge rock fan and they have always blown my mind and they kind of raised me when I came to LA and they kind of took me under their wing and taught me about Los Angeles and put up with all my 20 year old drama and um, I dated one of them and he was my first love. And I want to talk about love with them today. I want to talk about God with them today. I want to talk about their music today. And I want to turn you guys all on to their music. It's just a big, long story. So I've got Scott Hackwith, the singer, with me today. I've got John Morris, the guitarist, with me today. He was the one I dated for five years. And then we've got Johnny Cornwell, the other guitarist, with me today. And so say hi, you guys. Hi, Heather. Hello. <laughs> They're like, after that intro. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, why don't you tell us what the band's been up to since since when we all hung out? Oh, God. what? How long ago was that? 20 years ago? 20 years ago. Uh, well, I'm, I'm only 30, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you, were just, you were just a child back then. So what have we been up to? I mean, just living our lives and doing our different businesses and our jobs and you know just trying to to make a living i mean we, we we're all you know we all still made music we all tried to get back together quite a few times with some failed attempts you know we we'd get as far as maybe doing one show and then we everybody would get busy and and um so yeah just living life what have you been doing i've just been being a psychic and I mean, I don't know what the hell, getting married a couple times. So why are you asking me then? You already, you already know what we're, you tell me what we've been doing. Exactly. Oh my God. Well, basically what I want to talk to you guys about today is the fact that at this time in life, you're pursuing your dream again. And I love that. I love the fact that you said, you know what, let's try it again. And, and for me with, when you say, Scott, what are you doing? My dream was always to be helping others, be, be in spirituality, help others be in my psychic eye instead of, you know, you guys, when, when we were together, I was really always trying to find my way. And I feel like I finally found my way and was able to pursue my dream. And you guys are doing it again. You're pursuing your dream again. And I think that's so beautiful. And I just felt like I want to show you to my audience. I want to s s sort of s let them see your beauty. And the, the thing about your first single, well, my favorite song of yours was Fearless, when you, you covered Pink Floyd Fearless. And that, that was absolutely my favorite song. But you guys had a song called Believe. 
and that was the big hit. And it was about God. And why don't you believe in your own God in a way, right? But the message, it's like, I don't know if I kind of want to get deep with you guys today. It's like fearless and believe and all these titles. It's like, what were you trying to say back then, if anything? Or were you just fucking around? Well, definitely there was a lot of fucking around. Believe was written around the time of the LA riots. And so at that point, at least in my life, it was about all of us had situations where we had to either get out of our apartments or houses we were living in during that time. It was scary and freaky. And, and I felt with like, believe in your own God is kind of like, you believe in what you believe in. I'm going to believe in what I believe in. Let's all just try to, to get together here and just, you know, be okay with that. And that was sort of the message back then with that. It was frustration with what was going on, but yet being a white guy, um, with probably a lot of white fragility going on. I, I didn't voice it in a way that I felt like maybe now that now I see it now that I've educated myself on like what exactly what it's all about. Um, I just take a different stand on things, I think. Well, without getting too political, I think it's quite beautiful. I loved it at the time and I still do. But I don't know, John, Johnny, do you guys believe in God? In, in my own God. Yeah, you believe in your own God? <laughs> yeah, there's something out there for sure. I don't know if he has the robe and all that kind of stuff. Do you have a spiritual practice, John? Rocking. Just rocking. Yeah. So, you know, David Bowie said that rock is God. <laughs> what do you think of that? I Yeah, I mean, rock is God. God is rock. Yeah. Me meaning when you're, I think what it means is when you're in the zone of creation, you're in the zone of making music, then you lose yourself and you become in alignment with the universe. You become in alignment with God you be, because you're, you're not thinking. Right. You're in the zone. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yes. I mean, when that's the flow. I mean, once you're in that, you're in heaven. You know, that is God-like. When you're in that zone of writing and, or, you know, when you're jamming and you're just lost in, you know, the music and what you're doing. I mean, definitely that's, you know, that's the feeling of, what we should have when we're on you know this earth is like that that's the feeling it's like an animal you know when when an animal fucks up does something wrong they don't think about it for the next 10 years and and beat themselves up over the fact that they said something stupid at a party or something like that you know it's like when and when you're making music and you're in that zone it's like that's where it's at you know that's what you're saying scott is no judgment you know there's no judgment and that's beautiful and, and like John used to sit at the edge of the bed at night and play his guitar just endlessly. And, and that is God in my eyes. And music is God for sure. And like the painting behind me, it's like, for me, that's God is for me to paint, you know, and to lose my mind in that sense, you know? I mean, what do you think, Johnny? Um, I think is the, the weird part about it is there's just something that kind of always draws us back together. Mm hmm that's synchronicity that's three at least you know what i mean and it's like what is that i mean because it's been happening for a long time now you know and now we're finally something something's going on right now that everything is is falling into place this time to to take this to the farthest that we've probably taken it since the success of the first record and that that's this synchronistic nature it's like everything lines up when it's supposed to happen yeah that's how it did it in the first the first time it lined up and things just fell into place one by one by one and it yeah. was amazing the way it, it fell into place 
and I wanted to talk to you guys about that too because you became famous and and it's like what do you think the the ingredient is for that because I have a theory about fame and basically I think fame occurs when you don't give a fuck because if you are attached to or desperate for this fame thing to occur then it doesn't but if you're sort of in the flow, like we're talking about, the flow of music, the flow of things, then all of a sudden you reach your optimum point and then you sort of effortlessly become famous. Is, is that how it happened for you guys? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of effort. I think maybe it's not so much effort, but like passion to play your instrument and to, you know, uh, hone your craft and so there's a lot of that that goes on that just isn't happenstance that 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 is like years of of playing and you know being in in bands and doing your stuff and so I think when when Dig first got together we had all been in you know numerous other bands and and we'd played for years at that point and it was the coming of, together at that at that point and again, like the songs, when the songs are written, when we were writing that first record and that first EP, there wasn't a thought of like, oh, we we're going to get on the radio with this because that kind of music didn't, wasn't on the radio at that moment, you know, when, when we were writing that stuff. And then it just so happens that that's when, you know, around the time that Nirvana broke and that's when all the hair metal bands disappeared. And then all of a sudden that you had um, sort of this, post-metal grunge stuff going on that just took over. Um, so it was definitely timing. And, and I feel like it's the same now. It's just, it's just timing. I mean, if, if it wasn't for the lockdown and, and um, sort of work disappearing and, and just having time just to, to focus on it for a minute, and plus like shit that's going on in the world. And I mean, that's, it's inspirational and it's, and it's time to like make art. So that was a push. To, to get things going. But yeah, it's timing, it's talent and timing. Because you guys also are all from your heart. It's like very soulful, your music. Well, it's just not phony. It's just very real, everything you do. So I think the universe recognized that and sent you a blessing, if, if, if I may say so. So it was sort of like, the gods shine down upon you. I remember we were watching, remember the Buds bin on MTV? And it was like Janet Jackson and then you guys. And we were all just like shitting. Like, oh my God, it's Janet Jackson and then it's Dig. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was so exciting. And that was just unbelievable when all that was going down. It was hysterical. I loved it, you know? We were like having so much fun, all of us. Yeah, but the weird thing that, that kind of happened, though, is it kind of all just kept going in these steps, and they just kept going up and up and up and up, and it's not like you, we had time to think about it. We just go, you know, you just go, go, go. Here's the next tour. Okay, now you got Besbin, so you're going to get better tours, and then you go on better tours, and you just go, and it was a weird, you know, just, just a weird path that we were on. Is it, is it like Will Ferrell says, a whirlwind? <laughs> <laughs> it was. You know, I mean, we did have like our, our record company behind us and we had a lot of things going in our favor because of that, because, you know, we were label mates with the Ramones. So we got on the Ramones tours and and things that were helping us along the way. Definitely. But yeah, like Johnny said, it was just 
one step after the other. And it just kept, you know, kept climbing, you know. The, the reason I wanted to have you guys on too is because psychically I feel this success occurrence for you within one year of this new album. So you just released it, right? On the 14th? Right. Tell me a little bit about this song and what its meaning is. It's nothing is forever. So, I mean, there's a bit of a play on the fact that we're going through hell right now and, and this, this too will end and nothing is forever. Then again, you know, if you look at uh, everything that's going on in, in the world, it's, it's happened before and it's going to happen again. And so <laughs> maybe th some things are forever, you know? Right. But it's, yeah, and it's just a reflection on kind of what, what is going on right now in, in the lyrics. There's, it's just completely just talking about, you know, all the shit that was, that is happening to every single one of us. And I'm just voicing out what those sort of things and those those things are, you know? I think it's it's very Buddhist, nothing lasts forever, you know, the impermanence of things. Mm -hmm. So of course the pandemic is not gonna last forever, but it sure as hell feels like it is, you know? I wanted to talk to, to you guys about first loves because of, uh, John was my first love, right? And Lucky you. <laughs> so, That's so, funny because you know what? John was my first love too. <laughs> it was what was it for you that attracted you? To to John. What was the, what was was it the pheromones? He, the thing that attracted me to John was is that he was standing in the beer line at the Palladium and I needed a beer, so I went over and we started talking and the next thing you know he ended up in digs, so <laughs> And what was your beer of choice? Very true story. Yeah. David Bowie beer there at a tin machine. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's so cool. How John ended up in the band. I was like, hey, I'm playing with this new band and we're looking for another guitar player. And John was like, I'm not doing anything. And I was like, come over, check out some stuff. Oh, that's badass. So that's a weird, you know, fate thing, because I would have probably never went to that show, but I was working at Tower Records at the time, and I got free t a lot of free tickets. So those were just the times where we were like, okay, you know, like, let's go check it out, you know, but I don't know if I would have went to see Tin Machine if I had to pay for it. It was a good show. It was a hard show to get into, too, because, I mean, it was a Palladium. It was David Bowie. Yeah, I don't even know how I got my ticket, and I went alone. I was just, I'm like, I'm just going to go to this show you know, whatever. I wasn't into Tin Machine. And I just walked around and all of a sudden I ran into you and the next, thing, the next day, I think we went down and I auditioned for you guys. Yeah. So that's the synchronistic occurrences of the universe. It was meant to be, as they say. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I, want, I wanted to talk about this first love thing because so many, I have women clients, like most of my clients are female, right? Because more female uh Females believe in psychics more so than men. Straight men think, I got my shit figured out, let me deal with it, right? It's you're more black and white, women are more gray area in their thought process, I think. So, so women come to psychics more, it's just a fact. So what women talk to me about a lot is, he's my first love, I can't let him go, I'll never find anyone else, I'm, I'm with him forever, this is my guy, right? So they won't, want to leave this first love so what do you think it is about the first love 
Are you still hanging on, John? It, you know what it is? I'm going to tell you. It's because you, you, at this point, you have never been hurt. Ooh, that's good. That's a you good did, one. You, you haven't been, and you trust everything. You're, you're 100% in. You haven't been burned by anybody else, and you just believe in it. You, and you think it's going to last forever. Maybe it does sometimes. Do you hold on to that person forever? Do you hold them in your heart forever? How about you guys? Like your first love, are you holding them in your heart forever? Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was until I, I saw her on Facebook about a year ago, and I was like, no, nah, I can let that go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. What about you, John? Yeah, I have about 14 first loves. <laughs> that I keep in my heart and will always be with me forever. Still talk to them all. You still talk to them all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were a lot older than me, so I, I'm sure I wasn't one of those 14. Oh! <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> so I, I'm just teasing. Have you guys ever seen a psychic? You know, one time I, I was at a fair and, I, and all the girls were going to to go to the psychic to get this reading or whatever and I was just standing there and the psychic just turned to me and said who are you and I'm like what do you, what and she goes there's so many angels floating around you I've never seen so many angels around one person and I'm just oh I don't know I, just, I you know I wasn't there for a reading or anything but she just noticed that wow I don't know what that means but it is true though sweetie you have a lot of angels what are the What's that all about? Well, because you're blessed with creative ability, you're blessed with this loving heart. You're you're very special in this life. You know, you have a lot of blessings. You met a beautiful woman and married her. You have some beautiful children. It, it's like you're the kind of guy who you can almost die in a car crash, but you don't. You can be a crackhead and you can almost die of a crack overdose, but then all of a sudden you're clean again and you're living life. Everything with you is, is, is like near the edge and then you make it through, right? Because the angels have your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got nine lives and then some. Uh-huh. And I predict your daughter's going to be a rock star too. Okay. Yeah. How funny is that? Yeah. She, um, I can't not force it on Mick, but you know, give him guitars and drums and stuff like that. And he's not too into it, but Johnny just picks up this little ukulele by herself and likes to jam on it. And she's definitely got the rhythm and stuff. And for you, Scott, is your son rocking? No, he has a casting uh, company. He does really well. How cool. How old is he now? 26. Oh. Wow. Wow. They have really grown. That's amazing. Do you have any psychic questions for me? Um, I'm afraid to ask. Because <laughs> then I just think about it and I'll dwell on it and I'll be like, hmm. Um, when can we start doing live shows again? That is early 2022. And then end of 2021, there may, I see a big one in December. So 2021, 2022. No, that's on, that's on schedule. Yeah, like we're hoping that things start to loosen up around the fall uh, so we can, at least like the smaller clubs, so we can start doing some shows. 
which would be amazing and on time with everything we're trying to do. So. So what you're saying is we're going to be playing the K-Rock Acoustic Christmas. Yes. Okay. Why not? Yeah, no, there's no reason why not. So what's next for Dig? Just uh, more music. Um, just we're planning on, you know, after this EP comes out to, to keep on either with another EP or LP. And just we're just now starting to really work it. You know, we're, we're going to bring in some people to help us, you know, with radio and other stuff and so we're just going to keep it going and and hopefully take this this time to sort of build a fan base and just create awareness about the band up until we can start to go out and do some shows and opening up for some bigger stuff and just just working as a band nice do you guys ever feel like we have the best taste in music basically far superior to any other age group out there <laughs> we grew up in a good time and, and thinking back on when dig was big it was the best time in music really exactly i mean like these people younger than us i just feel so sorry for them that they didn't have the wealth of beautiful music that we had you know what i think it is i think it's because um this day and age anybody can make music in their room and it's not filtered like it was before where you actually had to have A&R people that picked the cream of the crop and said, this is, this is worthy of putting out, putting our money into and, and promoting. It kind of filtered the really good music that went to record stores and that you, were, you could get to. And now the problem is you can get to everything and everybody tries to put out music and it's, there's no filter for I don't want to say bad music because I don't want to put anybody down for trying to make music, but I do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when we, we were out, it was a pre-internet, so people only got they got their music from like MTV or the radio. And when we w went out, it was especially a good time because that was the beginning of, of alternative radio, where that format didn't exist really um, until that moment, and so. There was this sort of like where DJs actually picked bands and music they liked and they played it and they were able to play it. Like as opposed to now, DJs have to play whatever this, you know, is getting the most streams on Spotify. Everything is picked by yeah. your numbers and your streams. And it's, and so it's there, there's algorithms and there's other shit going on that is not soulful. It's not art. It's just, you know, whatever catchy sort of song it, whatever sort of gets picked up as a trend on TikTok becomes this massive hit. And yeah, and like Johnny said, there's just way too much. It's just so oversaturated because there's some great music out there. You know, it's like I find new stuff all the time of new bands, but it is a, it's a search. It's not, you can't, it's just, I don't roll around in my car and a song comes on. It's like, oh, I love that. Yeah, like today I listened to some Dre, you know, it's like I can't really get anything new that I can focus on, I, you know, maybe like Gary Clark Jr. from 10 years ago or something. I don't know. Like, what is there? Where should I be listening to? What do you know, Scott? Well, what are you into? You into rap music? Rock, mainly. Rock. Yeah, and there's not a lot of good rock. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of stuff out of England that I that it just reminds me of the stuff that we were doing in the 90s <laughs> so. or you know what 
new order. I'm really in, getting back into new order. Like new order type stuff is feeling good to me, you know? Like vintage new order. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with all of like going back to that. and yeah, Like a little bit, like when I'm like checking out stuff on Instagram and stuff like that and these new bands and stuff, I'm kind of hearing a little bit of like kind of a like an 80s like new romantic kind of thing. Coming right. Out. Same. Kind of, I'm stumbling across those kind of things, you know. I like, as far as new bands and stuff, I like Royal Blood. I think they're really cool. I saw them live and they blew me away. And I like 21 Pilots for in that genre. I think they're pretty cool because they're always coming out with different stuff. They fit into that K-Rock thing, but they're still kind of doing their own thing and whatever, you know. So it's, I don't know. It takes a lot of searching. You know what? My One of my favorite quotes from our friend Pat Smear, he says, if it's made after 82, I ain't listening to it. <laughs> I mean, all the kids are going back to 90s. Everyone wants to hear the old 90s stuff. No doubt, because it is better. I really feel, I just, I just always feel like, God, I just think I have better taste in music than, than the youngsters. <laughs> yeah, I was excited the other day. My daughter sent me a screenshot of a, one of her friends that sent her a picture of the single and it was like with the little fire emojis. <laughs> and then, you know, this is like 21 year old kid that's listening to the new dig, but that's exciting with no, you know, she knows this person knows that it's like, you know, her friend's dad that is probably older, whatever, but doesn't really know the whole story. It's just like, just she liking the song, you know? I love that. Yeah that's that's my wish for you guys is just like to have this you know resurgence because you're like my favorite band you know i feel like with the younger kids right now going oh i love this 90s thing and whatever i feel like that that's the way i was like in the 80s going god i love the 70s music yes I feel like there's that weird thing where you're just like it's so cool and real and rock and roll and stuff i feel like since we have that guitar thing going and a lot of music right now is kind of synth and very made on the computer. We're kind of real in that sense that we actually play guitars. And you may be like the last of the Mohicans or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like after that is when it all kind of went weird. After the music did get weird, it started turning into like the rap rock kind of stuff. It's that <laughs> the kid rock and all those guys started coming out and like, um, just that rap rock kind of thinking the huge bet lincoln park all that stuff started coming out and it just got strange tell me okay i want to know this i want to know some gossip who is the shittiest rock star you ever met on the road <laughs> i don't want to get in trouble you don't i would but i can't think of somebody right now okay tell me like the funniest occurrence that happened with someone famous Henry Rollins. With Henry Rollins. Oh, yeah, Henry Rollins. You guys have a funny Rollins story. Yeah, we were playing with him. We did a tour with him in, in, in Europe, in England and uh, Ireland. And we hadn't, we hadn't met him. And we got before we got on the tour, it was like, Henry said you could do the tour as long as you guys, like, just mind your own business and just be, no mess, no monkeying around, you know, this whole thing. So after three shows, we hadn't met him because we all sound checked after them. They were always gone. And so after the fourth, I think it was the third or fourth show, the band had come off the side on one side and I came off the stage on the other side and it was just me and Henry in the hallway. So I'm walking towards him. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to break the ice. So I'm going to be the guy. And I'm just going to, you know, whatever, not noticing he had a cup of tea on the ground and I'm walking up to him and just kicked the cup of tea 
down the hallway and then I run into the room. He, he just looks at me and he's just, oh, and he storms into his room. I run into our, we are off this tour. And so the next day we're still on the tour and I'm like, well, maybe they needed a day to get another band or something. And so that day when I got to the venue, I went up to their sound guy and I said, hey, is, is Henry really pissed at me? And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, well, I knocked his tea over last night. And the guy goes, oh, you're the guy? And I was like, oh, no. Like, and he walked away. So I was like, oh, God. Like, it's going around. Everybody knows about it. And then that night when we, um, when we walked off the stage, I was the first one to walk off. And then the rest of the band followed me because of where the dressing rooms were. We're walking down the hallway and Henry's standing in his door. And to get to our dressing room, there was a spiral staircase. And, and you had to walk by his door to get to that. And walking down, he goes, how you doing tonight? And I go, a lot better. Because I was really hammered the night before. And so this night, I'm like, <laughs> not drinking. I'm like, totally cool. So it's me. The band's behind me. His whole band's behind him in the doorway. He's standing there. He goes, how are you doing tonight? And I go, a lot better. And he goes, okay, great. And I go to turn to go up the spiral staircase. And every step had cups of tea on them. <laughs> And he just turns to me and he's like, hey, man, welcome to the tour. What are, you know? And then ever since then, he was like the coolest guy. <laughs> like, but like, I mean, I've never had my balls busted so hard by anybody in my life. <laughs> I love that story. How clever. Yeah. I have a story about a celeb with you guys, which is Deborah Harry, my favorite, right? So when I came to see John, it was my first time visiting him in LA because I was in San Francisco. And we went to the record company. This could be all fucked up because my brain is crazy from smoking pot all these years. But basically, I believe I came down to visit. I got off the plane. We went straight to your guys' record company, which was Gary Kerfer's, right? He, he had a record company. Radioactive. Radioactive. Thank you, Scott. So it was in this house, this little like mansion up in the hills, and it had a pool, and it was all dope and... Basically, I we go in, and I was with John, and I went out to, to not be around you guys, to leave you be, and then out by the pool was Deborah Harry. And, like, I grew up idolizing her my whole life as since the age of five. And so it was just this incredible moment, and she was talking about how she I told her I was in fashion design, and she said, oh, I've always wanted to be in fashion design. And I said, oh, my God, you're Deborah Harry. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and she had, like, this little dog, Chi-Chi. And, and then I remember I came back inside, and you guys all said, she talked to you? Holy shit, she talked to you? Like, she doesn't talk to people, you know? And so I was like, if this is L.A., then I'm fucking in. I'm down. Like, I love this town, you know? And so I'm always, like... Loving the fact that L.A. is full of dreamers and, and just people who are crazy and ready to just go for their dreams and stuff. And I don't I don't know. So that's my celeb story with Dig. That's funny you say that because I remember a time we went up there and she was out by the pool and somebody said, who's the old lady out by the pool? <laughs> it was me. I was eating a hot dog from Carney's and I was like, hi, how's it going? I thought she was Gary's wife. And I was like, who's who's that old lady reading the script out back? And they go, it's Deborah. And I never called her Deborah Harry. I always called her Blondie. And I'm like, who's Deborah? And then I go, is that, is that Harry's wife? And they're like, no, Deborah, Blondie. And I was like, oh. We laughed about that for years. That's hilarious. She's a fucking goddess. 
She's a goddess. That's why you uh, why you never wanted to break up with me because I brought you down there and introduced you to Deborah Harry. You're like, I'm not leaving you. I'm <laughs> Who else can I see? <laughs> or that you're just fantastic. I'm kidding. That was funny. How, how about the time when the uh, we were on tour with the Bad Brains and the girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, sent out some pot brownies because um, I was growing some plants and she had no idea how to make them so i like put way too much weed in these things i mean they were just like solid green you know i remember and then uh <laughs> sent them out which is amazing that she could fedex you know brownies but we gave some to daryl from the bad brains and he almost couldn't play the show and he's like a professional pot smoking dude yeah, <laughs> yeah we almost killed him but john and i had those and we were we were high for like three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those green bricks. Those green bricks, and it was like eating them. You could feel the the grass in your teeth. It was like. Zzz, zzz. Since I had the plants, we we took out like a box of unpruned buds without with us on the tour, and so we just sit on those long drives and just manicure like perfect buds. We'd use the weed because we had like probably pounds of it, you know, it's like a lot. And so we would we would bribe like the bad brains so we could get sound checks, you know, just like you did, like payola. Like, it was you know, so like, much Play us on the radio here, it's an ounce. It was yeah. crazy. I remember, cause we went on a tour and you had planted those and then we got, got back from a tour and Scott calls me up going, dude, you gotta get over here and help me chop these trees down. Basically like seven feet tall. Like I could not believe they were like trees, you know? Oh my God. I remember one time we were in, we were over in Europe in Leeds and I opened up one of my guitar cases and there was a bunch of weed in it. It had been in there the whole time. It went through customs and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I remember that because when we were going home, like they didn't really check too much everywhere else we went, all the borders we crossed, they didn't really get too into it. But when we went home, they made us unscrew like every pedal, open every case. So like, if you didn't find that, you know, we, you definitely would have been going down or we all would have been going down. What about when we hung out with Johnny Depp at the Viper Room? That's when he, he invited us for his birthday to play for his birthday party. Yeah, and she, he was with Kate Moss. I remember she was wearing these awesome like little boots. Of course, I remember her outfit. She came okay. on her stinky little bus. Yeah, smoked a joint with us. Yeah. Exactly. That was awesome. And we went into some hotel room. It's all a blur. I mean, the whole thing's a blur. Totally. Right? Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was the hotel that was right behind the Viper Room. Bellagio. Bellagio, yes. <laughs> he, you... got us, he got us a big room there. He did. He got you guys a big room. Really nice guy. Yeah, we're trying to reach out to him, Charlie, our drummer, is really good friends with his assistant. But um, I still know that he, he still likes the band, so we're trying to get him to, you know, to find out about this record. Oh, how lovely. Yeah. Well, it'll happen then, it will manifest. Just visualize it. That's what we're talking about, right? Exactly, funny stuff. It's funny, I was talking to Tommy the other night about old stories and stuff, and he start talking about it, and it's just like, it starts coming back, you know, all this shit. You know, yeah. Amazing stuff. This shit is crazy. It's like, I haven't reminisced at ever really. It's wild, huh? Completely. Go and they go and they go, you know, like once you get going. I know. 
the first time Heather came, we didn't even go to the house. We went straight to Stag Street. And he oh, stayed wow. there for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> it was so magical for me because I was so young and it was like just a magical time to be in Los Angeles and, and to be around like this rock stars and just be growing and learning. And I was such a fucking mess. It's like you guys really did kind of raise me, you know? Remember Sorry. the time you did a sound check at the SDSU? Yes, I got to do sound check. I got to go in front of all these people and play a guitar. Like, that was fucking amazing, you guys. <laughs> fucking amazing. I love it. I love you guys. You off the stage. You didn't want to leave. <laughs> We're like, okay, you're done. You're like, yeah. No, that's it. I want to be on stage, right? At least these days I do. So, okay. Okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go grip my cards, and I'm going to pull one card for each of you and give you a fortune. I want the old maid card. Shuffle those puppies. Okay, so I'm pulling a card for each one of you. Let's start with Johnny Cornwell. No! Johnny, what is your question today that you have for the cards? Um, I want to know about um, uh, health. Okay. Okay, we get the card playfulness. So what it's saying is you should stop worrying about your health. You should take it easy. You should become more playful, not take things so seriously. But I go to your lungs. Are your lungs okay, your heart, lung area? Um, no. Do you, do you smoke? Yeah, what's going on with your lungs? Smoke anymore. I did have um, corona in April. That's what it is. I just feel like my breathing is not right lately. That's weird that you say that because I feel like I hyperventilate a lot. Yeah, I go to your lungs. I get your lungs and also your lungs. Um, this could be related to anxiety. Uh, have you ever taken Xanax? Uh, no. You might look into it. If, if, if you, some people get addicted to it, but I don't feel like you will. And I think I was prescribed it for just a little bit and I found that I had more anxiety when because like it wears off and then uh, then the anxiety was worse okay you know what i mean so i feel like when i was off of that kind of stuff like because now i'm totally sober 10 years no smoking no drinking no drug like i haven't had anything about well, 10 years in coming up in may okay call me after this and i'm going to give you some breathing techniques and if if you guys want i'm going to post this on my story tomorrow some breathing techniques that you can use to calm yourself but basically, when you guys, if you can't take a Xanax, which of course I don't recommend, I recommend breathing techniques first. <laughs> I don't know why I went straight to Xanax, <laughs> but definitely breathing techniques are better. Uh, or if you want to chant something like Om Mani Padme Hum or uh, Om Namah Shivaya, some sort of Hindu chant or something like that. And then when you come out of it, your mind will be clear. But Johnny, I'd like to work with you for maybe like 20 minutes or so. If you have time, maybe next week and we'll talk on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Okay, my dear. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, John, what's your question? Um, how about longevity? Longevity of the band or you or what? Of me, yeah. Of you? Yeah. <laughs> I got a grandson now. I want to see how, how old I'm going to be. How long are you going to be okay, around? Okay, this is so weird. I got double romance. Damn straight. So that means you're really just thinking about our beautiful time together. <laughs> <laughs> Always. You're being blocked, my dear. 
Mm. But you're going to live to be 92. Okay. Okay. Scott, your question. Well, I came up with this thing today that, so we're just trying to really push the band and try to make it self-sufficient financially. And so I, I was thinking like, if we can get 5,000 people this year to buy $100 of merch each, you know, each 5,000, that we would have $500,000 by the end of the year, um, which of course would be great if it was more, but I was thinking like, that's, that's almost like, I think that's possible. That's like a possible goal. Can it be done? Can we do that? What, what comes through for me is 500,000 people buying $1 worth of merch. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Way. The 99 cent store approach. Uh-huh. Divine guidance. You are being divinely guided by the universe. And that's what I feel for you guys is that you are being divinely guided at this time to fulfill your dreams once more. It's like everything is cyclical. Everything is coming back to where it began. And I think that's why we're in touch again, too. It's like, I, I mean, I've, I haven't really followed you guys. And, and then we came back together somehow through the Instagram or something. I don't know. It's just like we're we're meant to help each other on this journey and you know it's like i think you're meant to do this again because it's in alignment it's right this time i know you've tried a few times before to like go out there for a minute and try to do something but it's in perfect alignment and i love how you're like spinal tapping you have like a new drummer every time all right <laughs> so true. all right you guys I loved having you. Thank you. Do you have anything else you want to say? What? How can we find you and all that kind of stuff? Uh, dig the band on Instagram, and our, there's a link on there that has a link to everything. You know, all our merch, our song, music downloads, and everything. The website, everything. Cool. And you and you just did a video, right? You did a video. A video. It's on YouTube, and that link is also on the on the Instagram link. Cool. All right, you guys. I love you. And love this you was too. Thank so you. fun. Thank you so much for doing this, Heather. Take care. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye, sweet. Bye. <laughs> if you liked today's episode, please leave me a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening. For more info about me, visit my website at heatherobble.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.